Welcome to Pushing Forward with Alicia, a podcast that gives disability a voice. Each week, we will explore topics like confidence, ambition, resilience, and finding success against all odds. We are creating a collective community that believes that all things are possible for all people. Open hearts, clear paths, let's go. Welcome back to Pushing Forward with Alicia. I am Alicia. This is our podcast, a community where everyone is welcome. And today our guest is a friend, a colleague, an inspiration for me. Her name is Christina Rodriguez. She is a woman of color, DEI advocate. She's created and founded an amazing network called Latinas with Masters. I want you to tell us all about it. She's advancing the conversation in DEI, which is what we're trying to do on this podcast. And she ties together a lot of the intersectionality, a lot of the conversations that we talk about women empowerment and race and gender and sexual orientation and disability and how all of that kind of transcends and intersects together. So I think this is a powerful conversation for us to have. Well, hi, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be on this podcast and for welcoming me and giving me space. Um, My name is uh, Christina Rodriguez. I am the creator and founder of Latinas with Masters. And the mission behind Latinas with Masters, um, you know, is for us to show up as our authentic selves in the spaces that we live, work, and learn, all while embracing and preserving our our cultura, right? Our identity, our language. Um, but then also for us to um, advance in higher education, you know, and it's going to look different for everybody. And, you know, we're going to all going to have different pathways into higher education. And I'm a firm believer that just because it was hard for me, it doesn't mean that has to be hard for our future generation. And so, um, you know, those are the mission and values behind Latinas with Masters. And what started off as just an Instagram account when I got admitted to my doctoral program, it instantly and authentically became a movement, a brand. You know, people wanted merch. People wanted to represent being first generation to graduate college. But it's also awareness of, hey, you know, I have this disability in my graduate program and you know, I need to learn how to advocate for myself. What does that look like? Or I really want to get into this program and I see that there's this gap of Latinas in healthcare and C executive roles, and I want to create awareness towards that. And so then the opportunities are endless. There isn't a one box fits all. And and what I love about Latinas with Masters is it is open to everybody, just like your space, Alicia, but it also, it's given me hope. And I'm also learning every day from the privileges that we do and we don't have. And I definitely feel like we're in this climate where a lot of people are starting to be more understanding and are willing to do the work with the right resources, tools, and education that comes with it. And I love that you mentioned our privileges. I talk a lot about my own privilege. Like I am well aware that with the intersection of our identities, Mm -hmm. we have privilege and oppression. Mm -hmm. It's just the facts of the matter. And I like to be very upfront with that. Like I know I come from a white middle-class background that was privileged. My oppression is disability and being excluded and not having the opportunities for the, the gap in pay and hiring and housing and all of those things. And I know that those are the things that you touch on a lot 
within your organization and within your career. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your career and and what you do and and some of those things. Yeah, I really feel or I know personally that a lot of the challenges get into graduate school specifically are the requirements of having a GRE and a GMAT. And for those that may not know, very similar to like law school, you need to take the LSATs to get into law school. And with medical school, medical school, you need the MCAT to get into medical school. Those are specific industries where, yes, you need those to be licensed. But to get into graduate school, I shouldn't have to take a test for this institution to look at my test and see if I would be a good student in their program based on this test. And there are studies that show that those uh, tests were definitely made to oppress students of color from getting into graduate school. Very similar, like when you go into a four-year university, right? And so me personally, I every school that I went to didn't require a GRE and a GMAT. I did not have to take it for business school and I didn't have to take it for my doctoral program. And I'm going to have the same degree as a doctor that went to Stanford, Yale, NYU. It doesn't even matter. Like, I didn't take that test. And yet at the end of the day, if you have those letters in front of your name, I have that same degree. And so that shows to prove that those tests, they don't mean nothing, you know, like it's really there. It was designed for a reason. They've always been there. It's just COVID made it that much more aware with everything that was going on that happened with, uh, you know, people within our community, like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Vanessa Guillen, right? And you know, and I definitely, there's people that are just like enough is enough. And then they started kind of just scaffolding down like, oh, there's, you know, inequities in healthcare and there's inequities in education, but they've always been there. It's just that we've always just learned how to manage it. And I don't think that that definitely needs to be, I shouldn't have to learn how to manage my adversity. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's crazy to me. So that's one of them. But another thing that's actually not even learn to manage it. It's also kind of like, Society has taught us to like push, accept it, it, yeah, accept it and like Down. hide mm-hmm. it yeah. and just let it like status quo be Absolutely. okay. And those are the same things that I'm fighting for too, is like, no, status quo is not okay. And and these movements that have happened in, since 2020 and George Floyd and all these inequities, these terrible things that we need to fix in our society, now that there's a lens that's finally mm-hmm. looking deeper into it, we're like- exactly. Yeah. So the work you're doing is that so powerful. Deeper lens behind that, right? Oh yeah. It's, it's amazing. So sorry. I just cut you off. No, it's okay. No, not at all. And then the other thing too, is now that it's coming more to my attention, and this is the part where I definitely want to learn more and really intentionally be like, okay, what does that look like is accessibility, right? We talk about DEI, we talk about belonging, but what about accessibility, So when I have a graduate student reach out to me saying, I am the first in my family, not only to attend college, but to graduate college, to even make it this far, you know, and I have this accessibility and I am just now finding out that I have this. And for whatever reason, these resources were not given to me or I didn't qualify for them, but I'm speaking up and I'm no longer afraid that I need additional accessibility or, I mean, not accessibility, accommodations so I can, you know, pass this class or fulfill my internship. And academia is still going to be like, no, you don't look like you have an accessibility. What does an accessibility look like, you know? And so that is another part that literally recently on my post, someone reached out to me and she literally poured her her heart out. And she said, 
Latinas with masters, I feel more belonging in this community than my own graduate program because my graduate program has failed me. And she has proof. I've read emails. I'm looking. She's, and then to be told when she's fighting or advocating for her education, to be told, wow, you're so articulate in the way that you keep documentation. You're so articulate in the way that is a microaggression. Why are yeah. we? Why are we telling women of color you're so, or, or women in general sometimes too, what, that we're articulate, you know? And so again, it's just, it's just, and unless I told her that, she didn't know that, is that a microaggression? I did, yes, girl, <laughs> what you mean? Like, and that just tells you that there's a lot of things that are kept out in education for a reason, because they don't want us to speak up for ourselves. They want us again to, be part of a system that was designed to oppress people in yeah. different intersections of life, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a big conversation right now with invisible disability and onset disability. And mm-hmm. a, a lot of the advocacy that I talk about is disability is the one thing that crosses all of these diversity conversations and it can happen at any time. And so the fact that we're getting to a stage that somebody's raising their hand to you and saying, I'm this, I'm this, and how do I advocate for myself? It's it's so powerful and it's so important. I found this study, there's like 3 million Hispanic women with disabilities out of the like 14 million like in our country or whatever. It was some statistic. Yeah, that's not pretty accurate. There is no such thing of a place of belonging for people with disabilities unless you're giving them the access to belong, <laughs> to like be present, you know? Mind blowing, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so basic, right? But yeah. it's like, let's take a quick break. You're listening to Pushing Forward with Alicia. Thanks for listening today. If you have an episode idea, know someone I should interview, or have a story that needs to be told, reach out to me at aliciaanderson.com. That's A L Y C I A. Anderson with an O.com. Click on podcasts. Welcome back to Pushing Forward with Alicia. I am Alicia. Today, our guest is Christina Rodriguez. She is a woman of color, DEI advocate. So you do a lot of work on housing too. Like, will you dive into some of your expertise there? Because I think that's a really important topic as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have 15 years working in housing um, and front center, front facing. I saw a big gap and the gap was the renter's knowledge of their housing rights. And it's interesting that I was on the other side, you know, on the property management landlord side. But at the end of the day, this information is public information. And so I started to see a gap of college students not knowing their housing rights or even know how to rent an apartment because it was just simple as, oh, I have to pay a deposit or what do you mean you have to run my credit, you know? And so then I started to do um, housing education workshops to um, colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. And I started doing it like for the Dream Center, which is for the undocumented students. I started doing it for first-generation students, incoming freshmen, like you name it. Like I've touched almost every level of a college student's like cycle in higher ed. And then I started listening to the audience. Like, what do you want to know about housing? Because I'm here to be an ally. I'm not here to be, yes, at the end of the day, I'm probably the person that collects the rent, but at the end of the day, this is a business. And so I had to change that mindset with them, but also like, hey, 
you know, we're not here to evict people. It was very interesting to see that once I started doing those housing workshops, that people would actually reach out with circumstances and scenarios. And I would lead them, you know, to the, to the nonprofit or the resource where they can get that information. But then with that, I was like, there, I really want to start working into higher ed and really use my housing experience into higher education because there is a gap. Thankfully, I was able to find a position where I am the basic needs director. And within that, I'm helping college students find stable and secure housing. I mean, we're talking about students that are sleeping in their car and are coming to us saying, I need a place to stay. And so then because I have that housing background, I know what the options are. I know the process. But within that, I have students saying, you know, my landlord's trying to evict me or I got this crazy rent increase and I can't afford it anymore. And so I'm not going to go to school because I have to work full time. So then I'm like, no, 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 hold up. Let me see that letter up. This is incorrect. You know, like I'm able, sorry, I'm able, like, sorry, not sorry, because now I'm kind of like, no, let's go ahead and advocate for you. Like, this is absolutely not right that this particular, you know, situation is happening to you, you know, when you're here trying to get an education. And so, um, I assist with like food pantry, food resources, if they need techs and technology access. And then guess what? Accessibility comes to that, right? Basically, at the end of the day, it's people that don't have accessibility making accessibility decisions for them, right? I think that's one of the problems with disability inclusion and accessibility in the first place is it's a lot of able-bodied people trying to solve And, you know, there's a lot of very intelligent, educated people that are able-bodied and that are doing that work, but people with disabilities need to be hired and be leading those conversations as the experts with the lived experience. And and that's okay for like a practitioner like myself to assist people. Mm, Absolutely. People want to see people that look like them, that have shared experiences. And that's just human nature. To say that someone that doesn't look like us can't help us is just 100%. Be willing to learn and be open-minded that you, like you said, check your privileges, but yeah. also learn from people of that demographic that you are serving. Make sure that you know what you're doing because then there's a lot of trust there that can easily be broken if you provide them with misguided or wrong information. Yeah. And I absolutely am not trying to de- credit anyone who's able-bodied and doing the work because they're doing great yeah. stuff. But it's fair to say that disabled people and you haven't been like le- in the mix, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and that's like a big conversation right now with the representation that's going on and, and mattering and all of that. So, um, and like you're saying, that's the work of allyship is like learning from people who have some experience that you can, you know, create or I, I guess just, like learn from their experiences and then bring it back into your own network and hopefully expand those ideas. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Wow. I love it. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. I'm so I was excited to learn. I was like, Hey, what's the next one? Cause I definitely want to learn because the position that I'm in, in my job right now is there is a gap, right? There's either people that are aware of the services that are available to them firsthand. And then there's the gap in the middle of, well, I don't need those services or, or That's this not me. Yeah. Or this mentality of like, I would prefer someone else who really needs it, even though they need it, they still have that mentality of like someone else really needs it more than me. And then at the end of that spectrum is I, I need all the resources that I can get because I am about to fail and withdraw and drop out and just life, you know? And so then I need to know, like, how do I get to, how do I get this person, this individual that's in crisis mode? 
how can I get them to the place where they're aware of and advocate for themselves when they really need the resources that they need? There's a whole lot to this advocacy. So like you inspire me to be strong within who I am. Is, this, is there a story of success that pops out that like you think like, wow, this is why I'm doing this work? I have hella stories. Because I worked in housing for so long, there was a lot of things that I've honestly thought was normal. And it was because I felt that, oh, this person's looking out for me. They want me to get promoted. I should listen to them. They have more experience in me. And two scenarios that come to mind. One is very quick. The other one, we can go deeper if you like. But the first one was when I first started in housing, um, you know, I was about 21, 22 years old. It, I was told that I couldn't show up with red lipstick. I was told I couldn't show up with a hoop earrings or curly hair. And even oh. though when I first heard that, I was like, what? Like I, I had rage, like, how am I showing up? I knew that I was being stereotyped a certain type of way, but then I didn't really have a voice. I was like, well, I just got this job and I'm so excited. And I just said, okay, well, if this person says I need to show up this way, then maybe this is the way housing is. Maybe this is the way an office working in an office setting is. I would straighten my hair. I would wear stud earrings. I would wear neutral, you know, like, like light makeup, nude makeup. I would come um, to work with blazers because that's what I was told. I had to wear blazers if I wanted to be promoted, if I wanted to be seen as professional. I was sent to um, workshops for phone etiquette. And I was just kind of like, okay, well, this is part of the business. Later on in life, and I'm literally talking to Alicia like five years ago, I realized that I was, that was a microaggression that I was experiencing. So again, I navigated housing being conditioned to look a certain way because I was too Latina. Now, fast forward to about um, maybe like a year or so ago. And unfortunately, you know, I was with an employer that told me that the way in which I show up on social media is causing low morale for employees. And the difference between Christina at 21 years old that was told I couldn't wear my curly hair and my red lipstick, the difference between that Christina and this Christina was that I was able to catch that in real time and be like, I'm not accepting that. And I'm curious, how do I show up on social media? Is it because I'm saying hire black women? It's because I'm saying Latina equal payday. It's because I'm very an advocate for disability services. Cause I remember I was like reposting your stuff, enlighten me of what that looks like. And that's the difference between now and then is that I'm able to use the language now and I'm able to identify what that looks like and what that feels like. And I was just so disappointed because I was in a position where I really loved my job. I got my master's in marketing and I was just doing great things. And as much as I try to push for change within this organization for women of color, I definitely felt like I was not heard. And then to be told that really affirms what I was fighting for. It's powerful. So what you're doing is it's absolutely incredible. Christina, I'm so, I'm so inspired by you. You're doing amazing work, girl, too. Like I see you. I'm like, okay, Alicia, I see you over here, <laughs> over here okay. and over there and all over the place. So you are also, you're also doing it. And I'm just so, I'm happy that you also decided to do, to do this journey and do this work. We're being the people that we wish we had. And I know you had your parents. I have my parents. Like we're talking like beyond that, someone else outside of our world that can really advocate for us. Yeah. My whole life, like there wasn't a whole lot of women with disabilities mm -hmm. that 
were leading that I, that were examples for me. And now there's just these bands together of women with disabilities coming out of everywhere. I'll tell you something real quick. And okay. I don't know this with you. So my daughter is 10 years old. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that she knows what it is to get a master's degree. I mean, I tell at 10, I was not even thinking about that. Obviously. Yeah, that's I awesome. have the privilege of that information, right? But she knows that now. But this is how much of an impact you have, Alicia. My daughter looks at my Instagram, you know, like I show her things and she sees things on Instagram and LinkedIn and all that stuff, right? Because she'd be on my iPad, that's why. So she'd be like, oh, look, you got got a friend or, you know, whatever, right? She'll be like quick to tell me. (laughs) We were at Target one day and we saw um, a Barbie with, um, you know, that she was in a wheelchair. And my daughter was like, look, mom, that's like your friend. I want that Barbie. So for my daughter to have that type of critical thinking skills and that type of like inclusiveness mm. instilling in my kids and for her to be like, yeah, I want that Barbie and see nothing wrong with it. Cause there is nothing wrong with it. Kudos to kudos to Barbie for that. But there was, there's a quote on your website that says, Difficult roads lead to beautiful destinations. While we're kind of wrapping up and in the theme of pushing forward, like, can you talk about what that means to you? Yeah, absolutely. I feel that, you know, just from hearing from the people who reach out to me, sometimes they feel like they needed to have this perfect pathway into higher education or perfect pathway for me to get this and perfect pathway for that. And I'm a firm believer that it doesn't matter how you start, it's how you end. You have the power to create your own destiny. And trust me, I'm constantly like, I feel uncomfortable in certain things because I'm like, oh, can I do that? Like, is that risky or anything? But the only way I would know if I try that. And so I'm no longer afraid to try. I'm not afraid to fail. Um, I'm not afraid to throw myself out there. All you got to do is just yeah. start and then things start to kind of unfold. I'm going to leave it in the show notes, how everybody can follow you and, and learn about everything that you do. But how do we find you? My main squad is on Instagram. So you guys get it. <laughs> so join can- the squad. I'm a member. Squad. Yeah. So you can definitely follow me at Latinas with Masters. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. That's more like a LinkedIn business page, but I do kind of cross promote there. I'm on Twitter. And then you can definitely listen to the Latinas with Masters podcast. Our very own Alicia definitely will be on the podcast as well. Oh, great. Yay. Yeah, so um, so you can listen to the podcast as well. And of course, visit my website at latinaswithmasters.com. Christina, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And congratulations on all of your power and your light. Oh my goodness gracious. Thank you so much, girl. I appreciate it. Thank you for everybody who's out there who's shared some time and space with us. This is Pushing Forward with Alicia. And that's how we roll. If you're an employer who would like to learn more about disability inclusion in the workplace, lessons on ableism, and how accessibility can drive innovation in your company, please check out my micro training series at aliciaanderson.com. That's A-L-Y-C-I-A, Anderson with an O, dot com. Click on micro learning.